God damn it, Beth. You never follow <laughs> Hell Devils to a second place. It's always hell. <laughs> it's always hell. It's always hell. Uh, fuck yeah. Um, anyway. Sunday Scaries. Hey, welcome to Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific movie and try to find connections between that film and other films within the genre. Uh, we just wrapped our series on slashers. Slash, and slash, this slashers. week, we're squeezing a uh, cheeky little bonus episode in to talk about uh, one of the newest releases. I mean, it's, it's Spooktober, so there's lots coming out, but this is one that came out recently. Spooktober. Spooktober. Um, and it's being talked about a lot. So, say, say cheese. Yeah, where we saw <laughs> smile. What is it you like to talk about? My patient. Hi. I know you're nervous. I just want to have a chat. I'm seeing something no one else can see except for me. It's smiling at me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I did like a little hand gesture. I felt like a, a yeah a composer. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Parker Finn's debut directorial debut. Yeah, which he uh, it was funny because so I when I saw this the director and the lead actress were in attendance and the, did a Q and A, but he apparently this was a short that he, that right. he created, uh, did really well at South by Southwest. Unfortunately, it was twenty twenty. Right. Uh, they like canceled it in person he still won a bunch of awards but he was saying like it was gonna be great for me and then like no one showed up and <laughs> no one was there um and it was kind of like rough for him like obviously the pandemic just absorbed because i didn't think about life. that the film side of south by kind of snuck in there yeah. before everything went to shit yeah he was saying because it was like the week before or the right. week of i remember I, being at work like hearing about that how like it was the week before the music side of South yeah. by kind of like when yeah. everything started getting, you know, shut down or canceled basically. Yeah. But he was saying that a bunch of people just didn't go like yeah. South by Southwest is already co- like telling people not to come. Yeah. Um, so it starts so, out as that short, I think, yeah, yeah. Mario sent a, sent that to us in the text. I remember watching it and I was like, this is awesome. It's, I haven't seen this trailer yet. And he's like, no, that's the original that's short, the short, short. That's film. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, uh, because it's essentially the short is basically like the opening scene of the movie in, yeah. in the feature, but it gets turned into the feature, which then, uh, by Paramount and by Temple Hill Productions, which then right. gets tested amongst audiences and it was only it was originally going to be released on paramount plus right yeah um and then it tested so well that they were like oh fuck let's put this let's give this a wide theatrical release yeah or at least a yeah yeah which they released it what a week ago two weeks ago yeah uh it was yeah two weeks ago two weeks ago we're recording this uh the the second sunday it's smart because it's a late september release Mm -hmm. uh which you're like so like school has just started mm-hmm. so it's like one of the problems with an august release is no one wants to go to the theaters anymore they're like gearing up for school a right. lot of public school the high schools are already started by mid-august yeah um and uh like you just don't get you just don't get tickets so you'll you can kind of tell what movies they want to bury if they release right. it in august and early september they're like the first like labor day weekend's probably the first good weekend for movies right. again after you know the third or four, like the third weekend in july mm-hmm. so like fun fact if you look at the movies they release in august you're like wow the studio has no faith in this thing <laughs> they're just trying to like get their dump tax it. write-offs yeah, yeah, yeah essentially it, yeah. um it's not a blockbuster not a summer blockbuster exactly. and it's not a not not an oscar season sort of fall right uh, you're just hoping that your july releases carry through the yeah. month of august 
Yeah. Um, but, but this one gets pushed back uh, to yeah. late September, uh, right, right before October. And so, yeah, it's... it gets in before the October releases, which is a good summer. Like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, big movies like Halloween Ends coming out in a couple, in a week or two. It's out this weekend, I is thought. Is it? Yeah. Oh, We're talking the the first, the, or the second weekend of October, technically. Yeah. And so... Um, there's a lot of stuff Hell that just yeah. came out this weekend that we need to get Sweet. to this week at some point. I know what I'm doing um, tonight. <laughs> there's, there's watching so Halloween much stuff to kills. Watch. No, just Halloween. And, no, no, no. Oh, I gotta watch the first. The two. first David. Have you not seen the first one? No, I have. I just oh, okay. want to do it again. The first one I think of those three is the most redeemable. Before we get any deeper, anyway. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to. My oh, this is a dumb complaint. I love the 31 days of of horror. Like everyone's doing it now, but I am a little miffed because I wish people would watch new things. Yeah. I see a lot of people watch it. They're like, oh, I'm watching horror movies. And I'm like, this is the same movie you've watched 10 times. You would watch this if it weren't October. I made a point on our list. This is just movie month That I hadn't you. seen before. Yeah. And, uh, but also, I think that's why the plate, the, the cup runneth the cup over. Overfloweth. Because, you know, new releases plus the 31 for 31 plus right. stuff that I already had on the schedule. Uh, we're digging a deep hole. This is my challenge to you listeners, is if you're celebrating third, the Spooktober, your 31 days of horror... Like I, I sent to Travis. I think I posted on my Instagram like a five movies for every streaming service. Is like, oh yeah. If you haven't seen one of those five, I don't care what you think. Go watch. Like, go watch them. Go watch. Go watch something new. Yeah. Um. And if you like are a big horror buff, but you don't subscribe to Shutter, like just do it. Just do it for the month of October. Yeah. And it's watch stuff. Shutter is definitely worth it, especially for uh, Shutter TV is an amazing thing. Yeah. That's programming that basically Shutter streams out where they. It's like a, a live TV program where you get to watch yeah. their curated, you know, whatever they decide to put on. Um, that's where you get like the Joe Bob Briggs stuff, you know, running through on cycles right. and stuff. And it's uh, it's cool. It takes you back to to an era before streaming that you know a lot of people of this generation don't really have access to anymore, yeah. uh, unless they actively go and seek it out. So um, challenge yourselves a little bit this month, y'all. Yeah. I want to see some. I want to see some interesting and very unique wrecks. Yeah. Like I'm I'm kind of tired of your standard wrecks. Yeah. For October, I'm like I I'll okay. I'll that watch. was my. I'll that, watch it again. That was my challenge as I was making that list too. Was like I was just so tempted to put so many classics on there that I had already right. seen. But uh, so I was trying to find movies that were outside of my. Uh, and I and I qualify all this as like obviously mm-hmm. people most people only watch what they can find on streaming. Yeah, it was like if it's not on streaming, I'm not going to watch it. But like there are some stuff on those lists that you definitely, I'm sure people have not seen. As uh, the Nightmare on Film Street podcast and page has been reposting other people's, you know, watch lists and stuff, yeah. it's, it's hilarious to see how, because they prompted for their list, right? Yeah. And it's hilarious to see how, like, dozens of people select the same movie for yeah. a particular prompt or whatever, because it's the first one that comes to well, mind. Well, and it's just like we're victims of the algorithm yeah, of at that point. Yeah. We're like, oh, Netflix has five scary movies they want us to watch, yeah. so you're going to see that on everybody's Instagram feeds. Yeah. And I'm like, keep going. Yeah. Dig deeper. Netflix buries weird things. You should watch the real weird stuff. Get Tubi. <laughs> I'll add that. I'll, 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 I will personally tell you where to watch at least one horror movie you probably have not heard of at the end of this episode. Hell yeah. How's that for a hook, Travis? <laughs> I got to type this down so I don't forget. Write it down real quick. Uh, so yeah, Smile uh, gets pushed back to the end of September um, because it's it just performs so well in test audiences and it's uh, performing well now. It's uh, only uh, on a budget of $17 million. It's already made and it's I guess we're in the second weekend now. Um, it's up to almost $90 million. Um, definitely made its money back and uh, doing really well. It's, it just fell by like 20% in yeah. the box office. They were uh, saying it had like a pretty steep drop the second mm-hmm. weekend run, but that's mm-hmm. kind of to be expected at this yeah. late at this point in the game is you're up against like franchise entries now. Mm-hmm. It's the David Goliath thing and Goliath's going to 
going to get you a little bit. Yeah, whether it's on streaming or actually in right. Yeah. Um, so after, but I do see- feel like it's buzz. Like yeah. everybody's talking about. Oh it, yeah, or has the, talked about it. The we'll talk about the the marketing here in a second. Too, yeah, I, think that's a big thing. I love it when we do that. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Doctor Rose Carter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Uh, Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Um, that's since, the summary? Yeah, that's the summary. Where'd you pull the IMDb? Or yeah, I usually just pull IMDb? like the IMDb one. or yeah, like, and that's the official summary? That's mm-hmm. a shitty plot summary. Some of them are like pretty Super vague. Super boring. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you like yours to be a little bit more uh, in-depth. There needs to be... A, no, I just need one good hook. I need one there sentence with one good hook mm-hmm. in like a four-sentence paragraph. Like, yeah, I guess these don't seem like they're trying to sell the movie necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely not it. But it, it, you should always be doing that. Yeah. I don't know. Always sell. Like, uh, always why is closing. it called Smile? Give yeah. me, You know, give us something to work with here. Right. Um, so since this is a new release, I figure we start off talking about broad strokes and just general reception and then yeah. we can get into the gritty details about the plot yeah. points that we think worked or didn't work. Um, and the... The you had- sadness of Jesse T. Usher. <laughs> A-Train got done dirty. Well. Uh, I don't, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, you're, we were talking a second ago off mic about your viewing experience for this. Yeah. I just, uh, two weeks ago, I got back from Fantastic Fest in Austin. It's like the north one of the largest genre festivals in North America, um, at least this side of the globe, maybe north and south. Um, where they program like a ton of big things and a ton of little things and a ton of tiny things. So uh, this was the opening night screening for me, which means it kicks off the festival, which means everybody's just hyped. We could have watched Barney and we would have all been like <laughs> stoked about it. Um, but the cool thing is because it's it's in Austin, it's sponsored by the Alamo Draft House, And so basically, yeah, I just texted Travis my rec. And yeah, he's yeah, he's nodding his head. Um, but basically they, it's big and they'll bring in talent and people. Um, so the director, Parker Finn, uh, and the lead actress, so, so, Sozie Bacon. Sozie Bacon. Sozie. Extra crispy. Like, I know that name off the top of my head. Anyways, we're both in <laughs> attendance. So that's why I mentioned earlier. Um, I was like a little ant speck in a large colony of film goers and film people. So we went and we like, you know, they did a red carpet for them. We just sat in the theater. They did like a little intro. We watched the movie. Um, which everybody was like buzzing. You could, like feel the vibrations in the air in an audience. That was just very excited. Um, and then we went from that to an after party, and we all got a little bit tipsy and saw like some really wild. I, that's a whole other podcast episode of like. Yeah, I saw some of your stories from the that. The final and I was, like, party that was like fucking crazy. Basically, it all I, to tease other people. They someone described it as a satanic marching band. <laughs> 3D immersive satanic marching band live performance with robot co- with robot bartenders. I'm not making this up. That's genuinely what happened. I know. I saw happened. all of the videos of it. It genuinely sick. happened. So we were just hyped. We were just hyped beyond hype to see this movie. Whether I was like interested or not, which I was, um, it just elevated my experience. I went in like at a nine, and mm-hmm. we were all like, okay, we're going to get it to like fucking 15 over here. Yeah. This is on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. And I think, because so this is, uh, we went to go see this at the Alamo Draft House uh, in the theaters here in Dallas, too. And this man, the theater experience for this movie. Was this is a good theater fucking, movie. It's a great movie to see with other people around you, especially yeah. like the opening weekend in a, a fairly packed, um, you know, theater with a bunch of people who are. You can tell they're there to have a good time and are also, it's, I don't know, I feel like people go, the classic thing of going to, you know, 
consume cinema, right? As you want right. people to be quiet around you and, and you know turn their phones off. But like horror when you're watching have a horror a movie, great way of breaking through some of those taboos. Yeah. And like at a certain point, the whole audience is in it together. Exactly. Like, and so hearing people react in real time, jump yeah. and scream. This is a. We were talking earlier about this. I think this is one of the few movies this year so far that has delivered on the way it's marketed as far as like yeah. scariness goes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk in a minute about the devices movie or filmmaking wise and the mechanisms and the plot that you know they marketed the shit out of this thing i mean they bought i mean you you saw ads everywhere for this movie let's go ahead and talk about the uh the viral marketing uh that went on too so did you did you catch any of these in like live as they were happening um so you're not not. you're not as big as a baseball fan as me and so i was i've been watching oh i heard about that yeah so i've been watching (laughs) like you know as this is the 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 texas rangers baseball season is over because they were nowhere near making the playoffs right um but i i've been watching you know various teams uh from the national league and the american league as we approach baseball playoffs and uh one thing that the uh the studio and the marketing teams for smile decided to do was place live actors uh basically behind home plate at these mlb games um who would sit there for over an hour with the creepy grin from the movie on yeah. their face so that whenever the cameras would cut to you know the pitch sequences and you would see them behind home plate you just see this person back there fucking smiling, smiling. right at the camera and it was unsettling imagine like, being like a marketing person and you have like god knows how much money and you're like well we can do obviously like print television social media but you know what else would be fun is if we just paid random actors to go to events and stare at the camera and smile for hours on end fucking terrifying right and i think yeah i i do want to kind of dive a little bit more in depth about like what the physical motif of this mean like you know how it works and stuff right. but that is something that there we've talked a lot i know it, i don't know how much of a marketing podcast this has become but we've talked about that you're as welcome everyone i of, was definitely like we have to talk about yeah, this as an element of production and everything there is something you know performative right about um trailers and about sort of the um the the zeitgeist and the 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 social experience that happens when a movie is about to come out and how much that affects the actual perception of the movie itself starting you know one of the biggest examples in history is the blair witch project right the idea or going back to our first viral marketing yeah or going back to our texas chainsaw massacre episode the idea of this being promoted as a a thing yeah that really happened yeah um the next level of that is yeah taking this uh this really bizarre experience of seeing something really unsettling out in the wild yeah and then having that tie back into the movie you're about to watch one thing that you asked in the kitchen earlier you were talking to Kyra about you know did this stick with you and as far as a movie goes whenever I'm evaluating how scary it is yeah this is definitely one where when you're thinking about it afterward will kind of like I'm in a space hurt your where head a little bit. I'm glad I'm like a couple weeks out from I like I don't want to see it again because I yeah. don't want to have that in my head yeah more. I, I had a hard time sleeping for about a week afterwards yeah you said that you went back to your hotel room and you were like by yourself I was and I was <laughs> terrified a little tipsy so I was just rightfully just terrified yeah. of something coming out of a bathroom or a yeah. closet it, and, it, that's definitely one of my main fears anyways so right. it like played to but its once strengths. you get that in your head it's hard to get it out yeah and <laughs> it was so fresh I was recalling scenes from the movie and yeah. being like oh that's me I'm gonna die here and I go for me like we'll, we'll unravel the central themes of the movie too in a second but for me yeah. it's, it's also I think why that's interesting as a plot device uh, the some of the underlying mechanisms of the movie and stuff that yeah. work for me really well um, <clears throat> but yeah so to say I think it's yeah so the movie's made really well too. I think as I'm reading uh, reviews um, from the big, you know, yeah. tentpole um, articles and stuff, it it's it's gen- it generally goes from fairly decent to maybe overly derivative, but well made. Right. right. No one can um, say it's like a 
technically flawed movie. Yeah, it's it's really well made for especially for uh, a, a young filmmaker, not a young, you know, for such a fresh filmmaker. Yeah. Um it's and I think it is. It's it's a very uh beautiful movie. I think it's shot really well. Yeah. Um I think it's I think it's put together pretty well. Like I think there's there's gripes that we can talk about in the plot, but I think that they're yeah. they're movie gripes that happen with, you know. I want to know your plot. Well, we get to gripes. I don't have a plot gripe. I have a trope gripe. I think that I think we we'll have to start have like labeling one. our grapes yeah. now. Um, but and then the performances, Sosie Bacon is just fucking yeah. amazing. Like oh she my is gosh. like her as the centerpiece of the movie um, and the design of her character as she disintegrates over the course of the movie. It's yeah, it's amazing. Also, the I don't from as from an audio perspective, I, I wondered if this was something that to, that appealed to you the way <clears throat> however they were they were recording her um on set or you know a, even afterward or whatever adr stuff happened like her her voice was just i said extra crispy sozy bacon because i like seriously throughout oh, yeah. it dude like it's just such a a i had a, this was like a theme so this is hard for me because that was my note for like a lot of movies i saw mm-hmm. over the week over that weekend was like the good horror movies you sound well right i've actually been wa- like now that we're watching more movies i'm watching some and i'm actually getting mad i'm like right. stop papering things over with music it's yeah. like meaningless and, dr- and dull which is why i was upset about uh what was i texted you guys about the fucking james wan movie oh malignant malignant because yeah. <laughs> i was like this is all music yeah an example of what made me mad yeah and now but this one was the opposite <laughs> where they they had a really well done sound design and yeah um you have to be that kind of like crispy we say is mm-hmm. like very sharp when you hear like the pages turning and it just exactly. sounds it's like asmr to your ears it, yeah and her voice particularly yeah. it is very asmr it just has such a yeah it has such a crispness to it the uh the high the high end like frequencies the tone of it because she has her voice isn't like deep but it's the perfect therapist voice i yeah. thought too and i thought for her character it works so well because yeah and especially in the early sequences when she's talking to a patient and stuff and you hear her talk quietly yeah but it's so crisp and so clear right i was like wow that's a that's an element of it that i think it would have been lost or would have been to the movie's detriment and yeah. been lost and sozie bacon um, seems like a nice person uh yeah. like when she was there she has that like nervous energy or like someone who just can't sit still was mm-hmm. like scratching her elbow or like going like toe to shifting her weight from foot to foot and i was mm-hmm. like girl you just like wowed an audience like you can stand there and just like beam you don't have to be, oh like, you mean in person when yeah I sorry in person okay. i was gonna festival. say i was thinking about her performance as it goes yeah but yeah no, but uh but like as a as a person she has like the kind of like manic energy somebody who works a lot does yeah or they're like i'm not working i need to do something yeah i mean she was just in but like before this it was mayor of so, east town right and uh, yeah so 13 like, reasons why seeing her be that like measured the level of measured mm-hmm. surprised me when i saw her after because i was like oh she is not like that calm of a human mm-hmm. not to say that she's like manic or anything although i think i literally just said that <laughs> she's not manic but i'm saying like i was surprised to see her in person because she played the uh, the character so well yeah at the beginning so, of this like, movie well she's such a good measured she's yeah. a therapist who who is who's, who's a, a presence right. and a rock for people who are in moments of mental health crisis yeah um yeah i think so we both generally like this movie i like yeah. it a lot um and i think it's what's great about this we'll talk about you know I don't know, call it a twist or whatever, uh, the various uh, stuff. I think, I think the way I think, interestingly, I think that they're not, they don't ruin the movie as far as rewatchability goes. Interestingly for me, um, maybe on the first experience they are, you know, they'll throw you, but, uh, I think this is definitely a rewatchable, really scary movie to put on. Um, yeah, the October season. Yeah, yeah, and such a winner. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, you could. It's a crowd pleaser. It's and def- it's, it's like a- one of those things where like film people have a hard time recommending horror movies to right. their friends because like 
you know their friends are like like they're just gonna go see like what's scary and violent and Mm -hmm. you're like okay if i don't find anything i can show people it'll be this like Mm -hmm. i can show them smile we'll all be a little spooked you know we'll all have the same like horror movie reaction not the divisive like well that wasn't that scary kind of thing it's like no this is good this is good for a crowd yeah, and I think it has a lot of basic horror stuff that, that harkens back to in like a, a simpler time yeah. that also works for it really well. Um, so yeah, I think that's enough on non-spoiler stuff. So if you haven't yeah. seen the movie yet, please go see it. It's really good. Um, and yeah. then we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff that happens in the movie now. Go so, see it in theaters. Seriously, yeah. it's worth it. Um, watch it with the group. It's fun. And then go like during the daytime so you have lots of time after to decompress. <laughs> yeah, and to think about your yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe start addressing some of that deep emotional trauma you may have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so big points away. Uh, we can talk about, I think, some of the plot points here. So it starts off, right, we established that uh, Sosie Bacon is playing Dr. Rose Cotter, who is a clinical psychiatrist who works with, uh, did they say the criminally insane, or is it no, just... No, I think it's like a crisis center. It's just like a, like a psychiatric... Yeah, they call it like a, I think they call it a mental health crisis center or right. something. They don't use the like the word ward, I feel maybe? like the, is the word ward You've become... seen it more recently than i have yeah i can't remember what the what the actual building was called but yeah she she's a psychiatrist who works with with people who are in crises and she's uh, psychiatrist is she a psychiatrist or is she like a uh all right well i'll save a that clinical therapist gripe. or something uh, nope or... i'm gonna we're gonna wait <laughs> yeah, we're gonna okay. wait we're gonna um, get there i'll deal with it later in the beginning we get right up top she's uh, kind of like making rounds uh she talks to uh you know one patient who uh he's having a, a, a manic episode i guess yeah um I'm, i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna stumble classifying the various types of um disorders well, that are just on display here it's also not fair to you because and I want to talk about it more later, but uh-huh. this is not a movie that's interested in clinically accurate right. mental health, like capital M, capital H, right. in a lot of ways. Which is interesting because I feel like it makes a point to uh, one of the running sort of jokes, right, is when you have another character who's like, oh, well, that loony or that crazy person, right? Right. And it's like they keep speaking being like, in derog. Not- yeah, in like, derogative terms up. of people who were like literally suffering. calling them out for saying like don't call them that right which is okay. like, yeah because it's it, but it, which is interesting in that the movie doesn't take pains like you said to specifically like it, present somebody any of the characters as it doesn't having a, feel as well researched right. as it could have been and yeah that's my teaser although do you think if they had gone further in that route would that would have been just been sort of like muddying the We'll get into it later. Okay, yeah. Let's go through the plot. So <laughs> she starts out uh, talking to one patient who's kind of going through a crisis, kind of like talks him down and sends him yeah. back. He's he, he's presented as being a very harmless guy, um, and but he's just having he's having an issue. Of, like yeah, I guess I would call it like a schizophrenic episode. He thinks that his everybody's he keeps, out like, to kill. Repeating like I'm gonna die, you're gonna die, we're all gonna die. Yeah, she's gonna, gonna die. die. Yeah. yeah, like just like saying everybody that he can think of is gonna mm-hmm. die. Um. And then uh, after he's taken away, uh, we get the 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 sort of the trailer sequence and the the character right. from the uh, the short film uh, coming in, played by Caitlin Stacy, uh, who has apparently been brought in uh, after having some kind of psychiatric break or manic episode. Um, she's a, a PhD student who witnessed her uh, professor bash his face in with a claw hammer, apparently. Yeah. And uh, now she's been brought in uh, for Dr. Rose Cotter to kind of talk her down because she's she's freaking out and is uh, seeing things. Yeah. Um, she tells R- Dr. Rose Cotter that she, everywhere she goes, she sees something. Uh, she, she doesn't know what it is. Sometimes it looks like people. Sometimes it looks like people she knows. Yeah. Sometimes it looks like people who are dead, who have been gone for a long time. Right. Uh, but it's always smiling at her. Um, so at least in the first set, 
a sequence, she's at least talking to Dr. Rose, but then she quickly, I guess... Monster comes for her. Yeah, it comes for her, and she leaps out of her seat and fall, knocks a plant vase over uh, and scuffles back to the, the wall. And uh, yeah, Dr. Rose goes to call for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she turns around, she's on the phone telling like, oh, somebody get in here. We need to take care of this woman, etc." Mm-hmm. Turns around and the woman is standing upright, head bowed, a smile crossing from ear to ear. Like it stretched so wide you think their jaw might hurt. And the smile, I think right now we should talk about the type of smile in this movie that it is. Because it's, it's a... It's a it's one of those things where you you like smiling without your eyes, basically, right? Where you're like you're just pulling your teeth back as far as possible, almost in a grimace. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of like uptick in the eyes, but I think there's a very specific acting and like directorial choice that it's it's a it's a sinister smile. It's yeah. a smile like as one of the characters. It's kind of like the I'm gonna get you smile. Yeah, the worst smile I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, I think it's a it, it, the the type of choice that they made to have these some some actors kind of like pull it off better than others the yeah of the movie yeah this first one uh by caitlin stacy's it's the one in the trailer and it's it's uh, yeah it's, that's the marketing material smile right there. yeah like she I, her face must contort or her cheekbones just go extra high or something yeah do you think it, it was is... augmented by any like special effects or anything shoot man you know? i don't know it could have been i don't know i don't, I'd be interested I don't to think see... so though that would have not that would have blown up the budget more i think and i think some of the examples later on i think would have looked better if it were um i bet you they can fake it fine yeah practically um whether it's through makeup through yeah you know or just good camera work good old-fashioned or, acting and camera work yeah, yeah or she's just really good at it yeah um but she's holding that shard of the plant face she knocked over and then yeah. she proceeds to it's not in the trailer because it's a rated r movie that you can't yeah. show in public but she pulls that shard across her throat and slits it Oof. and it's a from ear to ear like the bottom of her mandible on her jaw yeah. across the jugular to the opposite mandible mandible yeah. and stands there smiling while it happens yeah and those man, those special Ooh. yeah, they they come in hot right at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, um, I think uh, I'll pull in something. So uh, I think it was the Roger Ebert review of this movie kind of talks about how. Um, so we get this sequence right, uh, and then there's some that come shortly after this where the criticism right up top that somebody was talking about was that they they promise a lot with these opening motifs right, uh, and the use of that really terrifying grimace um, that sort of gets left by the wayside as the movie comes goes along yeah um so this happens the se- sequence happens and then immediately we cut to um she's in basically like an, the office of her supervisor who is cal Penn. i love uh, cal Penn. or i guess she talks to the cops first probably right uh no i th- i think she's with cal Penn, and on her way out the cops see her right okay that's what it is she's like he's like take two weeks off and then yeah. she's about to leave and she runs into her ex yeah that's what cop. it is he's like and that's where they also establish that she's a workaholic he's like have you been here since like the end of the shift last night like kind right. of thing so she's been working for like 18 20 hours straight or something crazy yeah. like that um and so right up top they kind of establish these dueling uh ideas of the perception of her is that maybe she's a workaholic who's like breaking down or something and has witnessed a very traumatic event right um, on the outside because she's going to start seeing shit people think she's just like she's been she's been you know working with working way too much with way too many like traumatized people yeah. like that trauma is traumatizing her also i think maybe we skipped over this but the movie does the movie open with the scene of her as a child coming yeah. in? Okay, so that's something we forgot. That's, is, uh, they'll weave in kind of a narrative thread about her trauma. Right. So throughout the movie, they weave in this idea that she witnessed her mother's suicide as a child, basically. Her mother, like, overdosed on pills. Who uh, boy? We'll get yeah. back to that guy. That's a <laughs> um, doozy of a moment. Yeah, I think the movie, like, cold opens with that. And then it, like... 
yeah and then dude actually that's one thing that wakes up on her desk yeah it's like all uh, she does every time she goes to sleep she dreams about seeing her mom die the title sequence for this movie yeah was such a throwback the uh like the blaring like siren letters that like yeah i was oh man that gave me a that, that pleased me a lot. It, get, it It's like a great way to hype the crowd up, too. For, because like, let's fucking go. The movie starts relatively subdued as well, right? It, yeah. The tone is like, is is uh, it's anxious, but it's not like explicitly super right. off the wall scary at the beginning. So kicking it off with that like red flashing light kind of yeah. is like, hey, just so you know what you're in store for. Yeah. Like, don't be fooled by the beginning of this movie and how it's, tame it appears. Which is smart. I bet. I wonder, too, because it goes back to a rather tame, like, first couple minutes. So yeah. It takes a while to sink into the, the bigger scenes. Yeah. But it's uh, something that's just like, okay, well, we can't just, like, really slowly get them into it. Like, let's just wake wake them up yeah. with a fun title and then go back to, like, something. That's one of those uh kind of, like, classical horror elements, too, that I kind of think Parker Finn seems to appreciate and uh yeah. incorporates into the movie and there's some other stuff in there that we'll get to in a minute that i i was like this guy he likes old school horror and it's it's definitely in the movie yeah um so yeah she she runs into her ex who is a she uh, like so she, her boss tells her to take two weeks off or three weeks off because you know she's just seen a horribly traumatizing event and they think she's been working too long and on her way out, she runs into two cops, one of whom is her ex. Yeah. Uh, so it's Joel. It's played by Kyle Gallner. Uh, he was, was actually in my the, favorite in this whole movie. Yeah, he's kind of the greatest. Uh, yeah. He was in the new Scream that just came out, too. Damn, I have to watch that. Uh, he was in... Well, maybe I'll do that tonight. Yeah, there you go. He was in Interrogation. A movie came out in 2020 as Eric Fisher. And he was also in the uh, 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, this, I haven't seen that one. Um yeah. But yeah, so like there's uh, they kind of set up some tension there where she's like, "Hey, why are you here?" Uh and you get the, they kind of establish that he's like a former, yeah, a former yeah. boyfriend or something. Um and he's like, "Oh, I was just the first one called. That's why I'm here." Yeah. I didn't know it was you. I promise if I would have I would have not shown up or something. Right. They're like uh, not great exes. Yeah. There's there's some history there. Um but then yep. we get back to she gets back to her house uh, basically at that point and we kind of introduce uh, Jesse T Usher as her uh, fiance. Woo! Right? A train. The, the A train. <laughs> uh what do you think of Jesse T Usher in this movie? Oh man, I knew you were going to ask. I me know because I think this is something you texted me about. Mario called me <laughs> and we both agreed. He does that thing uh in this movie at least which I now I have to be like, what does he do on the boys? Like, what is his performance on the right. boys? Where like every word has a gesture. Yeah. It, like when he's saying like, no, Rose, don't do it. Like he's doing that <laughs> kind of like actory thing where it feels like it feels he's like acting, acting with his hands. Yeah, it's like they yeah. say acting is listening. He's really like just projecting. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was distracting. I when I watched a lot of his scenes, you know, he's emoting with his face really well, and I like the thought is there, but the it's like over gestured, overacting. He's giving too much, maybe. Yeah, and in a way that I'm like, I feel like he can do, like he knows how to do more or less. Like, yeah, from all the stuff in the boys, like I think he's he's a right. good actor. Like he's had a pretty decent yeah. range in that movie. And he's not, and it's not like he he's given a lot of tough emotional scenes, and he kind of like walks into these and has to just play them. <clears> so it's not an easy gig for an yeah, actor. In he has to movie, go from like seventy to a hundred. Yeah, he's he's uh, put in a position where his character is also not really like. Yeah, it it, it doesn't he doesn't develop character. very much over the yeah over the course of the movie at to a, for a point. But the performance um, was distracting for me. Yeah, because every time he was on screen, I'm like, put your hands down. You <laughs> don't need to do that. Or I'm just like, zip away and then run run back super fast. <laughs> 
yeah. So I like I want to give him all the credit I can, but there were definitely some moments that I wa- I was like, I don't, mm, nope, that's yeah. not it. Yeah, but it it was fine. Uh, for serving the purpose of the of the character in the world, yeah. the scenes that he was in, oh, like yeah. you said, he comes in. Uh, like in the initial, so like Rose gets home and she's like drinking wine and stuff. Uh, and he comes and she's just like, you know, I had a bad day at work. Um, I she think doesn't she doesn't quite tell him yet. Yeah, right? she, she never like discloses fully. She's like, you know, she says I had a rough thing with a patient. Um, but at first it seems like she's trying to. Uh, I guess maybe like psychoanalyze herself and suppress the, uh, right. you know, her reaction to it uh, as being, you know, just a, a, a reasonable traumatic response or whatever. Right. Um, I think she breaks her first glass of wine or something. That's a recurring theme. She'll drop glasses. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. Uh, it's just so funny because Jesse Usher keeps getting mad. He's like, again? Yeah, because there's Seriously? a later scene where he comes back. He's like, it's off, it's off screen too. He's like, did you break another glass? Yeah. <laughs> um. Because, yeah, so, like, they go they go to bed and stuff, but she stays up late. Is this the first scene where they, the, uh, this is the sound scrubbing scene. This is one that I want to talk about. Yeah. Where she's basically, like, in Because her... she records all her sessions on her phone. Right. So she's playing back the recording of the session where her patient killed themselves. Like, mm-hmm. the monster got them. Yeah. Killed themselves. And so she's, like, scrubbing through, listening to the audio of, uh, yeah. of um, Caitlin State's character. <laughs> over suicide. Yeah. And uh, going back, she, she's going specifically over the one, like, last bit of audio she says before, like, like she jumps weird back. weird burst of static or Yeah, or it sounds like, sigh. did it sound like it said, like, help me or something? Like, I is that what it's trying to be implied? I don't remember, man. As if, like. That one, I couldn't, I couldn't remember yeah, very well. But they, they definitely rope you in, because this is that first of many uh, jump scares where, uh, you're, she's listening very, very closely, replaying this audio and turning the volume up on her laptop, and like, yeah. e- like three or four times. And each time, my theater just got tighter and tighter because everybody knew something was coming. Right? You see everybody like wounding up. And you're like leaning in, waiting for it. And yeah. You're not getting it. You're not getting it until something happens. Yeah. And then finally, a burst of the jump scare happens, and it's the uh, the the specter of yeah. uh, Caitlin Stacy's character. Um, leaps up next to her and basically knocks her out of her seat uh, in fright. Right. Um. Rose freaks out. Everybody panics. Jesse mm-hmm. Usher's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that prompts him to be like, you should go see your therapist. Yeah. So that's the she next. talk to somebody about it. She goes to it. see your therapist next, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. She, uh, she there talks- is. Oh, there's a big dinner where we meet. Like we meet her sister and her sister's husband. Right. Those are just they're ancillary characters. They go to dinner before <laughs> they go to bed. We meet some people. Yeah. They, Next question. They eat dinner with yeah her sister Holly and uh, her husband Greg, and they have a kid. And Holly yeah. is like the uh, the older sister who is just kind of like a stay at home mom. She's like the definition. And of, she's uh, super pushy. She yeah. like is just like you just, need to get out more. Yeah. She's Stop just working with the crazies. Complaining about her life as a mom. And yeah. Just, uh, so like Rose doesn't really like get along with her sister yeah they even get into a little fight over dinner yeah it was funny because when that dinner first happened i wasn't sure whether or not i didn't they i guess they didn't establish really quickly that was her sister and i thought they right. were just friends and i was like it is an asshole to your friends i know uh. it's like that friend at dinner who just talks about themselves the whole time and yeah. you're like oh my god but she's like this will you shut the fuck up this. yeah yeah it finally like, snaps um so the next morning after she's been spooked yeah she goes she talks to uh her uh her therapist, Dr. Madeline Northcott, uh, who's played by Robin Weigert. What uh, a great therapist name. North. <laughs> Madeline North, Northcott. Northcott. Well, but and then Rose's character's name Sounds is Sounds like Rose. a Bond villain. Yeah, uh, Susie Bacon's character's name's uh, Rose Cotter. Like the whitest names I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, Cott and Cotter. Those are the last names. God. Yeah, Northcott North Cot- and Cotter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, she talks to her therapist and it's kind of like downplaying the significance of, you know, the the suicide that she witnessed. Uh, but her therapist sort of begins to sort of tug at her and ask her whether it has basically expositioning for us that if this has anything to do with the suicide of her mother that she witnessed as yeah. a child and whether she still blames herself for it. Um, and that's right. kind of, we get, you know, we get a little bit more detail about um, her her relationship with this other traumatic event that she experienced very early on in her life. Right. Um, to kind of set that up as a, a refrain that we'll come back to. Um, right. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to get back to it when we get, as it becomes more significant later? No, we'll talk about it later. Okay. It, it reveals um, itself to us too. Yeah. So we should, Part, it's, parcel it out. Yeah, it it's not at this moment that she uh, she she hasn't requested medication yet, right? Has she? Yeah, she no, comes back later. Uh, once it's she's like her like, second session. Yeah, because things haven't really started to unravel yet for her, right? Um, quite to that degree. Um, this is where I think, like, yeah, plot wise in the movie, I, I think I'll probably like lose track because the next big thing that I would remember, so the dis- the disappearance of mustache, right? <sighs> would be the big one um in the first scene when she's at home when the whole she has get back, a pet cat yeah she has a pet cat named mustache and they feed it uh and then also in that sequence like earlier on uh, they set up that um it, her her and uh just usher have a, a security system that's pretty explicit they you know they want to make sure that you know that that security system is there right uh it's check off security system uh and uh rose is such a workaholic she's not going to her nephew's birthday yeah um and then, and then she gets suspended from work, and she's like, oh, I guess I do have time. Yeah. I guess I will go to that birthday party. Right. But before that, uh, she's in, she's doing more research, like, at her, uh, at the house. Like, she's online. And I think that's where we get, like, the door scare. Yeah. Right? Where she's, like, doing something similar on her laptop, like, looking up... Um, uh, her patient, I think, and she's looking. Oh up, yeah, yeah, like, like the, what ha- what her patient saw. Yeah, her university professor. Exactly, because her patient saw her professor um, kill himself. So she was looking up that those the details of that event. Right. Uh, and in that sequence, they get the uh, yeah. You have the spe- the same specter of of uh, um, Caitlin Stacy's character appear like in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, off in the distance, and then the security system goes off, and she like freaks out, goes to the oh, front yeah. door, and turns it off. And then comes back and her back door is open. Right. Uh, and then she calls the police who come and like search the whole house. Uh, and then <laughs> Jesse T. Usher has to walk in and be like, Rose, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> Are that's, you okay? That's another one of those things where like, like we said, I think, I don't know how, like he's literally just the reactive. Like, yeah. He, like, he's like, oh, he just no. has to walk in and be like, why are the cops here? Yeah. Did you break another glass? Because she, yeah. she, she she had broken another wine glass after she was pouring herself the smallest little sips of wine yeah. uh, throughout that. She would pour herself like two ounces at a time. I remember watching that, and that was one of the things that pissed me off. The like bartender in you yeah. was like, no one can live off of two ounces. Of well, sip. even like, what was, are you doing? Kyra, we were looking at. It, we both like turned to each other, like, why would you? Why are you wasting time pouring yourself two ounces of wine at a time? Because she just shoots it back anyway. Like, I it's know. a fucking, like, shot of whiskey or tequila Because or it's a movie. Yeah. But uh, when the security system goes off, she does drop another wine glass. Uh, and All then right, mustache please. disappears. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse T. Usher comes home and, and uh, tries to figure out what's going on. And neither one of them can find mustache. And that's a bummer. Yeah. She gets, like, more and more haunted. Mm-hmm. Like, she's basically the... There's not to like go too far down the rabbit hole, but yeah. she just kind of gets haunted a bunch, yeah, and crazy shit happens until she figures out what it is, yeah, and Which why is, it's happening. It's a pretty straightforward, you know. Yeah, it starts to be an investigation. Of, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, there's this great the birthday party is the, yeah is like the turning point. I th- I think for her character, but also for me as it a definitely 
ratchets things up to a different degree, Ooh, right? That so one got me. Leading up to it, uh, you know, she's talking. She had talked to her like her sister on the phone or something, and told she, her sister was telling her that you know you should come. You know, he likes model trains or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so on the way home, she stops by the train shop and picks up a little present for her nephew. Um, Which is funny too, because throughout the movie, she looks around and there's like smiley faces everywhere. Yeah, I love and the she'll recurring. Be, like, scared of it. Even the of. the did you see the coffee cup that she uses yeah. at work is just has a smiley face on it. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I like the idea in those sequences too, in this sort of like this first going into the second act of the movie, um, it's used as a, as a really interesting visual motif uh, in that when she's getting ready to go to the birthday party, for instance, like she's putting on her face, right. Yeah. And she's like putting on makeup because she, the sleep deprivation is getting to her already. She's starting right. to develop bags under her eyes. And this is something they do to, to uh, Sosie Bacon's character over the course of the movie. They do a fantastic job of really showing like the Stressing disintegration, the yeah, the of deterioration her. of her. Um, and that combined with her performance as it gets more and more crazy and more and more manic, yeah. like it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, but there's that one moment where she's looking in the mirror and putting on her makeup and she like puts on the smile to like practice it, yeah. and, you know, to look normal in front of her sister and everything. And it comes at a point in the movie where we've already established the smile visual yeah, motif that you're like, you smiles see are it. bad. <laughs> exactly. Even though it's an innocuous smile and it's like her trying to yeah. feel normal. You're like, there, it's already unsettling. There's yeah. something bad about that. And uh, that's what Parker Finn said in his Q and a, he was explained, asked him like why a smile, you know? And he was, saying like you know i think we think smiles convey happiness but we also use them as masks yeah and he's like those masks can hide like dark dangerous stuff he's like who mm -hmm. hasn't been through a traumatic event and then like not wanted to talk about their trauma so they just faked a smile when like under behind that like wide toothy grin is just like a well of like i am not okay right um and so it was kind of like a he i mean he saw it as just like a purely um like sociological perspective is like we smile to convey happiness we also smile to hide things yeah um and so like that makes a smile sinister and like it, what are the worst possible things a smile could hide yeah and i think that's the you know i don't know where that i guess so i think there was one article that talked about the uh, the inspiration could probably be seen as like the man who laughs right yeah um so that's one of the like the original like 1930s or 20s I can't remember. Basically, so that movie was the uh, it was a black and white film, the inspiration for the Joker uh, in the Batman and stuff, and it was, right. it was one of the early examples of using um, a a toothy grin as a as a symbol of, of malice or evil. Right. Um, and it's it's such a it's it's such an interesting visual motif though because it does it just like it even as we were walking out of the theater, I remember. Everybody in the crowd was, you know, get the, the post horror movie, get, you know, yeah, the giggles and stuff. and stuff. And everybody was going to the, to the bathroom. But it's like you're looking at everybody and you're like, stop smiling. Like, yeah. it's kind of one of those. Which one of you is going to murder me? Yeah. One of those unsettling, like, needles that just gets into your brain about yeah. this movie that I think is fantastic. Um, but she puts on her face and goes to the birthday party. And man, this birthday party sequence was the one that had me on edge the most. I, I you was. You know something bad's going to happen. You know something bad's going to happen, but I was truly faked out. I was. I was basically like at the beginning of the scene, I was looking at all these little kids and I was like, which one of you little motherfuckers is going to be the one <laughs> can't trust. No, kids. I thought it was going to be one of the kids. I was looking for one of them to like, look at her. Cause I imagined if I was like, if, if Travis wrote this movie, I'd be like, one of these kids is going to smile and she's going to punt it or something like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, for sure. And, uh, but the, yeah. So she gets into the birthday party and is trying to basically like make herself 
feel normal around all these other soccer moms essentially yeah she gets um, ushered into a group of soccer moms which they're like where she immediately they're all like here's a giant bottle of wine yeah. you should be drinking with us the one character who's like you're the therapist right oh great i want to talk to you about something and yeah. it's like doing like the uh a pro bono uh therapy for Yikes. somebody um, doctors lawyers and therapists yeah but she's brought the president and she's uh gets taken to like a side room and stuff and this is the scene where yeah the uh <laughs> this kid has too many presents too like he's I don't a, know. he's a spoiled gen alpha kid now. yeah i like, guess so yeah he's... our generation's raising we we spoil our apparently millennial spoiled children it's also like i think this is a i think it's played as being a pretty wealthy like group yeah. of people oh, right yeah. where this kid has like like a like a dudley, of a dudley dursley level of gifts he has like, he, like, like 20 something what is it gifts. he's like just opened a nerf gun yeah set, and it looked like, pretty sweet that was a pretty sweet nerf big gun old set. nerf gun You're yeah like, all right it's this like, kid's fuck yeah cool yeah um but then he like so he, so if one it's kind of funny because he gets like all these cool fancy toys yeah and then rose's gift and you're like oh my god she got him a toy train i know and i was like oh he's gonna be disappointed yeah and then he's gonna throw a fit and that's gonna set something off and that's what i was expecting too right up until the moment <laughs> that he starts to unbox it and i was like no yeah but i couldn't even think of what was gonna be in the box like i didn't connect the dots exactly quick enough. Uh, uh, it was a surprise for me as well but uh, i do remember being like oh no it's in so whatever's gonna go wrong is inside that box <laughs> Box, and I hope yeah, this is a fake a out. Fucking Zodiac, the Brad Pitt moment, a seven moment. It was like, What's what? in, in the, the box? box? Uh, Don't open the box. He, uh, yeah, he cracks open that little cardboard box. And, I love uh, it. Time slows, oh and Rose God. is. I think she's like making eye contact with a with a smiling figure, and, right? Because she's seeing something as the gift ra- unwrapping is happening. I think the gift unwrapping happens like first because it's then she's like reacting to it but then as she's reacting basically we're like slow-mo the kids are excited the parents are like holding each other like this is so fun yeah and rose is like i did so good the child like opens a gift and his like mouth kind of he's like confused his mouth drops and he just stares at it for like second we probably i'm like five to ten seconds just this kid being like uh (laughs) and pulls out like reaches down in this box and pulls out the corpse of mustache. The, oh, the cat. The dead bloody. cat. Ugh. And immediate. And it's like it's like everyone's birthday nightmare. Like kids freak, child screams, parents, parents are, are freaked the fuck freaked, out, pissed. Rose's sister is literally like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Rose is like, "That's my fucking cat." Yeah, because she she goes and tries to grab the cat because she she's freaked out because in her mind she doesn't yeah. know what happened or you know. And it's interesting too because we wa- we watch her wrap the package. Yeah, and it's like one of those perfect wrapping. Yeah. So when we see the package again, it's it hasn't been unwrapped. Yeah. Like, we th- we don't think it's been touched at all. Yeah. We're like oh, perfectly boxed, no problem. And this is where I like really the the stakes get raised, and I think that the the real horror of the movie like works the best, where because she's freaking out, she genuinely doesn't understand what's happening. Right. And then she sees everyone the one... thinks she just gave a child a dead cat. Yeah, and then she sees the one other uh, adult woman in the room who who the smiling figure has possessed, and she has that grimace on her face, that, yeah. that toothy grin, and she freaks the fuck out and backs up into and falls into a glass table and shatters it. And it's like um, a bad fall. It's not one of those action movie like pick it up and walk it off. No, She's it's like realistic. Bleeding. Yeah, she gets cut the fuck up on her arms. So not only did she give a child a dead cat, she also fell through a glass table mm-hmm. and traumatized an entire room full of people yeah. and kids um that glass will you know cut you lacerate you yeah and she's like bloody and this is the moment there's two things about this moment in the movie that i think are amazing where for one thing it's sozie bacon's performance and conveying somebody who 
is trying their hardest to appear sane, who yeah. has no idea what happened and no idea what's going on. Yeah. The true portrayal of like somebody in a manic episode or somebody who is is genuinely lost a a scene of their life and has like is for a moment on like doesn't know like is questioning their reality to such a degree yeah and in, like imploring the people around them to believe that they're sane that was the the gut-wrenching like yeah. aspect of that scene where you're like fuck those are the stakes now that's like right. that's what we have to fight against now for the rest of the movie right along so, with this monster that's threatening her the, the thing i liked the lot the most about the movie is so now everyone's seen her just do some really fucked up shit right yeah. like objectively all they see is she gives a dead cat and then just crashes through a bunch of glass screaming about something no one can see so the whole movie is her trying to convince somebody to help her but the whole time they're like, you need professional help. Yeah. Like, the only way we can help you is by committing you or yeah. like, get, you know, getting you in front of a therapist or yeah. like serious mental health crisis professionals. Yeah. Which is ironic because she is one. Yeah. But she is like, no, I'm seeing a monster and it's trying to kill me. Yeah. And I think the way that's conveyed. So this is also what sets up one of the main mechanisms of the movie. Right. Yeah. The idea that um, things happen from her perspective that we're shown as an audience that may not actually be happening. Right. Right. Or there's things that happen maybe off screen that she experienced that we don't get to see. So for instance, like the idea that maybe she went and killed her cat and that's something that happened, but like in her brain, it, it wasn't right. you know, presented. Right. And this is where the movie kind of, it, it lets itself off by being able to then do these subsequent fake outs. Right. Where I right. think, the rest of the jump scares and the fake outs in the movie, I think are earned as, you know, this is what I was going to ask you about plot wise and writing wise, how, how those landed for you, because it happens a couple of times and we'll get to them in a second. But like those other fake outs, I think are earned by this initial setup. Uh, I think that this scene kind of like, the scene just goes so fucking hard. that Like it makes you like get out of your seat a little bit. You're like, Oh no, this is now we're like, you just jumped a couple gears. (laughs) I'm in danger. Yeah. Your gear shift just went through like three, fucking things you're like oh we're going way faster now or like things just this shit just got real yeah um which you know is a great i just think it's a great way to like one kind of kick the audience awake a little bit too is like yeah people kind of like will give and take some of the jump scares or like the soft you know haunting part but here's where it's like this shit has consequences yeah um and so i it i liked it i honestly wish we could have gotten to it sooner yeah Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I I like having a little bit weak against it because like the recency bias has worn off, and I'm not as scared of it at the moment. But, yeah, uh, same. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, because the I think the cynical look at this movie is that the the jump scares are a little bit too gratuitous or that it's not earned. But like I said, I think that the way the movie is structured and the way that they present the monster and the threat, I think that they're earned throughout the movie because it it yeah it establishes that and then so then you're constantly on watch along with the character you're in the same moment where you're like is any of this real at any given moment right yeah exactly. Um, so the next sequence of events is like her going and um like she has to go to the hospital right uh she's treated yeah has to pick her up and then just be like like and then you know we get that scene of them in the car where she's trying to explain what happened right he's like what the fuck am i supposed to believe like because from his perspective like we said she brought a dead cat to a kid's birthday party and then freaked out and broke a table right um and she has i don't i wouldn't say a history of like crisis but like definitely you know consulted a professional yeah gone along with like 
and I he talks about he's trauma. yeah he's like i looked it up it, it's generational it can run in the family do you think it happened it's happening to right, you too because right? they say her mom was ill yeah and he's worried that she may be yeah he's like am i am i marrying into this like in a very asshole you're like all right we don't have yeah. we don't like jesse t usher's character anymore like he's uh yeah he's transitioned exactly. to being an asshole fiance um classic yeah, because the, the the next sequence of events is like is her looking more and like researching more, right? Into yeah. the um, the the previous event. Sunday scaries. So here's where it kicks off. Like this yeah. is where the movie starts to take a little more active. Like Rose takes a more active role in the movie. Yeah, this and is it the kind of like sucks you in. You're mm-hmm. like, okay. I do want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Which I, my like one of my thoughts is like, we just needed to get to that a little bit sooner hmm. is I would have pushed, I would have pushed that up more, but I understand is it's hard to like have that idea of like a mental health professional being a skeptic of their own hallucinations. Yeah. Like, you know, any nor- normal human would be like, I, something's wrong with my brain or like, there's no way I'm being haunted, haunted. Right. right. It's like the acceptance of that takes a while to get to. Yeah. But I do think uh, that you can actually get to it faster in a lot more movies and writing than people uh, think. Like that was one an audience I... member writing a horror movie might be like, "Well, I have to go through all these hoops to yeah. convince you it's re- to convince my protagonist it's real." And what... I'm like, "You actually don't need to do as much as you think you do." Yeah. What's interesting in my head is that the way that I was thinking about it was like the weight or like the allotment of time right yeah. given to the investigation versus just other stuff right. right. Whereas like my gripe in a movie would be that like I think I I just get annoyed when the investigations are the the Right. I don't know, like figuring, doing the problem solving and like, you know, this Scooby-Doo trail like, yeah. of the movie becomes onerous and like when movie becomes too much of like a crime thriller yeah. or whatever. Or like the um, middle 30, 40 minutes of the Batman where you're like, we get yeah. it. He's a serial killer. Yeah. Stop solving puzzles. But like, because in this one, it's like, I, that's the other sort of logical criticism of the movie is the idea that like, there's this plain sequence of events like so what's revealed is so she she enlists the the help of her ex-boyfriend joel who's a police um, officer and he can look up you know criminal or crime reports and uh yeah uh, incident reports and stuff and they find that uh the professor who killed himself in front of her patient uh caitlin uh stacy's character um also witnessed a woman kill herself at a conference who witnessed a man kill himself at a gas station who went you know and the, the chain goes on right. and so they they quickly find that like there's a clear sequence of events where uh within a week each one of these people uh commits suicide after having witnessed another in gruesome front sur- of suicide. somebody else yeah so it's like clear it's like a suicide disease yeah um it's a it's a trauma train yeah the idea trauma train yeah that's way better what yeah. i said was disgusting and i didn't like it <laughs> yeah it's a it's a choo-choo trauma train uh and the uh <laughs> all aboard. all aboard the trauma train, train. Uh, i hate us sometimes yeah <laughs> but that's the uh it, the idea that nobody else noticed this and like even like the yeah the um you know, mid-level police detective or whatever looks at it and is still not convinced that there's some material thing going on. But um, they go down the line. Basically, they go down the line of investigating mm-hmm. slash being haunted or, I don't know, uh, haunted is the only word I can use to describe yeah. it. Um, until they find somebody in the trauma train who did not kill themselves. Yeah. Um, they go in a, and contact him. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's uh, Robert, Rob Morgan. Yeah, playing Robert Talley. Guy. He's amazing. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's uh, so he's incarcerated because they he's incarcerated for murdering somebody, and so they go and they want to talk to him. They they 
lie and weasel their way in saying that they want to create a uh, psychological profile um, right. to help further other investigations. And that's right. how they get into the um, the uh, the police or the uh, the prison to go talk to Because they're like in face. upstate New York for this entire movie. Yeah. Because her, her ex is like kind of a New Jersey type guy. Mm-hmm. And then they go down to Massachusetts, I think, for the prison or Connecticut. I don't know. Geography up there gets weird for me. Yeah. You're all just northern states sometimes. Yeah, it's all it's all just New England. You're all area. apple picking and <laughs> cool, crisp fall this, weather. This is us being prejudiced against, prejudiced prejudice, against the Northeast. Yeah, but my prejudice <laughs> is that your land is cozy and fun. Yeah, it's beautiful up there, and it's not fucking Texas. Yeah, um, yeah. They go talk to the prison, and that's where we get the the reveal that he uh, the he found the guy who she talks to says that he researched it as well and found cases like all over the world and in South America. There's one example where uh, somebody killed somebody else, and that's the only way to like break the chain. You basically have to traumatically kill somebody else in, in front, front of, of another some, person yeah in front of a, a person in order to pass it on without um, killing yourself yeah and so this is where i think i can i don't know i, I want to address like the uh the other criticism that i can see of this movie um or the the mental gymnastics that i was seeing people do which happens a lot when you have a, a metaphor or a theme that's so explicit and yeah. so on the nose, right? Is this idea of like, okay, the monster is trauma, right? Um, and the whole this whole thing is a metaphor for the way trauma gets passed on to other people. I think you know. that's what they say. They, yeah, like, they explicitly say, say the, this it monster. It only works if you kill someone in front of somebody who is also traumatized. Exactly. Like it, it has to ha- pass from. It trauma has to, to be. Trauma. He says, do it in the bloodiest. You know, use a, use a blunt weapon or something, and do it in the bloodiest, most gruesome way possible. Right. Um, and the idea is like, you know, like hurt people, hurt people or, you know, right. the idea of um, when you, you know, if you, if you don't deal with your trauma or if you don't figure out a way to live with it, then you're going you're to going to pass it on to someone else. Exactly. Or you're going um, to enhance their trauma. Through yeah. Yours. Which I think if you like if you're this is something that we've talked about before about like whether or not the plot of a movie or the sequence of events has to literally fulfill um, a right. metaphor to its, you know, LSAT logical degree right like uh, how much do you have to take it to its yeah. conclusion and this i guess you could say the movie kind of does that with like when she deals with the monster at the end or doesn't deal with it right well i think it's intentionality like yeah if, if in, in this movie the point is she has to deal with her trauma yeah which her shit is like she saw her mom kill herself commit, right commit suicide by ingesting pills mm-hmm. um which we'll get to more of the details about that yeah. in a little bit but she like you know the it's funny to me because, like, that's one of my gripes is the movie makes so much about her, like, seeing mental health professionals being one. Um, and, like, they make a point to say, like, you're never fully healed. Like, you right. don't just get fixed from trauma. And so, it, like, kind of, I don't know. There's, like you said, mental gymnastics is that there's a lot of, like, weird stuff. Is like, yeah, you can confront it. But we as an audience were told that you'll never fully heal, which means this monster will never go away. Right. And I think I guess the um, the other way to look at it is like maybe as as you try to rationalize the different events in the movie, maybe you do too much for the movie by like nit- cherry picking the things that do work and right. don't work. Right. So, for instance, the other thing is like the idea of uh, her solution at the end of the movie. Right. Is to go isolate herself. Right. And she's like, well, if I'm not around anybody, then, then I can't I traumatize can't somebody. I can't kill myself. Yeah, well, yeah. And I can't traumatize yeah. anybody by killing myself in front of them or doing something violent. Um, right. So, then so the I only win, solution right? to avoid violence like at all is to isolate yourself with your own trauma 
over and repeatedly over and over again or but and that's that's what's interesting though is like i guess what the movie says though is that like even like isolating yourself doesn't work because when you do that then you still like you're not really like facing it you're right. just avoiding it and so it, that kind of works right but that's what i'm saying is like you can cherry pick what aspects of the movie's events work for the metaphor and what don't but i think overall what to take away from that is what my general perspective on movies is which is like all right the metaphor is there when it works it works and when it doesn't it's fine as long as it's things in the right. movie aren't outright contradicting it or whatever yeah and i um, think that you know if they had stuck the landing on that this yeah. would have bumped the movie up an entire grade for me is like being able to yeah. thread the needle on that idea and but the, it's not an easy one to do yeah and i think that's the thing is like from a right like a writing perspective and from a filmmaking perspective you make the choice to 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 really thread the needle and follow the metaphor to its logical conclusion at the expense of not including maybe some some you're making more a at the, at the end of the yeah at the end yeah. of the day you're making a movie and you want to include some stuff in your movie by make by putting cool scenes in and cool monsters in right. and cool cool events and i think if you're given the choice between like writing somebody writing something that like holds up you know from a, a critical logical perspective right. versus putting stuff writing stuff that is interesting to watch and thrilling right that's the choice you make is like well let's let's do this thing that's more interesting and yeah fun, fun and to i see. think that's it's related to some of my like bigger trope my trope gripe is just like watching actual mental health professionals is boring yeah exactly They're like, like actual therapy is not a filmatic event no. like, it's not something like people want to see yeah um and so it gets misportrayed yeah. often like so frequently that it like can can swing the needle how people feel about like mental health professionals sometimes yeah. is like their perception the is thing. what they've been of what they've seen it's a sideways They're effect like, right? i don't want to get into a session where they tell me that you know they like invadly tell me that i'm crazy or like diagnose me with all this stuff i just yeah. want to like i'm like that's not how that works yeah um i want to we're gonna do well, we're, at gonna, the end. we're gonna backtrack here in a second too because what we kind of like glossed over as we raced to the end there is the, are the uh the other scenes where um rose comes home from one of her uh outings investigating um so she, in the course of this right she she does various like trips to go see she sees the um the wife of the professor who killed himself who was played by judy reyes who is um um the uh, she plays Carla in Scrubs. Yeah, uh, she's the wife of the professor who killed himself, and she takes him up and she sees the room of paintings and stuff. You, right, you he's get been the, painting uh, smiley face. Yeah, that's figures. the uh, that's the the red yarn version in this movie, right? Yeah, and stuff. And then, there is no Pepe Silvia. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so she does that. Uh, she makes uh, another outing to try to go and reconcile with her sister. Uh, that's where we get that awesome sequence from the trailer, where like she's trying to talk to her sister through the door and stuff, and we get more of the unraveling of their experience. They're they're all differing their relationship with each other. Too. Yeah, and uh, how their uh, their experience with their mother's suicide right. affected them differently, and how the sister wanted to get away from it, and she says, "No, well, you made it your whole life, and that you know, that's why you think you have to go help right. people." And so that's then you know we're trying to develop the character of uh, which I thought was great. I was more. like, all of that is uh, yeah. is very accurate, especially the it's way just... that scene sort of ends, right? Because yeah. it ends with another fake out, right? Another uh, so <laughs> that's they, a trailer worthy moment. Yeah, they fight and then. And Holly shuts the door on Rose, and so she goes back to her car and sits in it. And then, from Rose's perspective, we see Holly come out of the room, out of the house again, and walk down the sidewalk. And then that scene of yeah, just her lower body next to the car window, and then right. her head. She's upside, like taller than the car. Yeah, and, and then so upside down, it ratchets down like a pendulum, upside down with the with the grimace on her face. Yeah, and it's the the sound design and that yeah, too, there's the all these like cracking bones, of bones. cracking and cracking, uh, and you're like, oh my god. 
god, that woman just snapped her neck open. Yeah, and then again, immediately we get uh, we we zoom out to the perspective of the rest of the world who is just seeing oh, yeah. her Rose freaking out in her screaming. Yeah, yeah, freaking out in her car, and it's the perspective of the nephew. Right, he's like looking through the blinds at his crazy aunt, just yeah. like having a screaming fit in her car, and it's right. yeah. It's a. It's I don't tragic. Know. You're just like, man. She just fought with her sister, and now mm-hmm. she'll never be welcome in that house. Yeah. Um. For, it'll take years to undo some of that kind of damage. Yeah, and then like, because that was also when I thought, um, I thought the movie was going to go a different direction. In the whole conversation we were just having about like how the movie's, you know, device works with like the trauma, yeah, train or whatever. I was like, oh, is it going to infect the little kid now in some way? Is he going to become some uh... other agent of the, uh, of the monster because he's witnessing this? you know yeah the reality of uh, of her man that's see that's the sequel is generational trauma <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah that's a uh also the plot uh kind of the thematic plot of the haunting of hill house yeah yeah, yeah that's true but um, <laughs> anyway um yeah yeah, the uh in the course of that also we get um her coming back to the house and uh trevor jesse t usher's character has called her therapist um and oh, yeah. so they kind of like surprise her they ambush her yeah with a, she comes home kind of intervention yeah it's another one of my gripes about like that's not what a mental health professional does she would never do that right yeah, no yeah. therapist and i want to be clear on record i asked my wife about this because she studied social she studied social work in um uh in grad school and got her license her uh, lsw license for social work so they have a background in therapy or like you know recommending mental health professionals she's like that's not how that works Mm -hmm. like the last thing you want to do is uh like you can't help people who don't want to be helped yeah and you can't ambushing them with interventions is literally a a terrible yeah because you're antagonizing somebody and you're putting them in a position of othering them in a way they didn't expect it's only going to put them on their back foot and it's only going to make the situation worse yeah it's like there's no positive example of an act of an intervention going well yeah and she quickly like she exits the situation in that moment right and i think that's when she goes and like yeah is uh yeah she goes to see her ex yeah i think that's when they we develop further and maybe that leads into them going and uh going to the prison or something like that um but the ultimate scene like i guess before the uh, finale of the movie we get sort of the first kind of big fake out of the end of the movie We've learned, right, that one of the ways to get rid of the monster is to, tr- like, violently yeah. kill somebody in front of somebody else, right? And so she's very, like, sleep-deprived, driving around, and she has a, a big knife in the passenger seat of the car with she, her. She, like, takes her giant kitchen knife. And goes to the, uh, the, the mental health facility where she works, the crisis center, and is, like walking around the crisis center and uh people are like what are you doing here i thought you were off and she's like i have to grab some stuff from my office classic and- never trust anyone who's been away for a week and they're like oh i just came to grab something from my office yeah and then no, uh, you didn't. she goes into the um uh the patient yeah. from the very beginning of the movie yeah the, the his room um we skipped over, I guess, the sequence where she's first experiencing smiles and stuff. And one of the first experiences she has is when she walks by his room. And it's in the trailer as well where yeah, he's like smiling. He's got the ear. big smile and he's yelling in her face. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. Um, which mirrors what he was saying earlier. But it's now it's directed at her. Yeah. Um, and then from her perspective, that's the first thing that we learn. Like we see of things that are happening that are not the reality. Like not yeah, the literal yeah. reality. Because he appears to begin to like assault her basically and like try to attack her uh so she calls the you know the 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 medical uh security or whatever and they come in and restrain him but from we're we're to understand that from what actually happened is like that he was actually just sitting there and she just like 
wantonly called security to basically come in and you know put him in a you know freak him out essentially yeah uh, which was not good for him um but so, now circling back to it yeah. she's come back to his room with a a big butcher knife in her hand and he's like cowering up in the corner against the wall and he's like what are you doing like I'm scared of you now. Like he's yeah. clearly like freaked out. He sees something in her yeah, that, is, yeah. that is terrifying to him. And she like this whole man. And then Cal Penn walks in. Cause he's like, I heard you were here. What are you doing here? Yeah. And she like makes eye contact. She's like, Oh, Cal, my boss is watching me. I have a knife. I have a guy. Yeah. And then we proceed to watch her like brutally stab this patient like 20, 30 times. Because the first one is like not that deep, but she, she it's like almost like she like learns she has to like go deeper. Yeah. And then as she's doing it, the patient character like he the smile comes on him again, and he's like egging her on, like encouraging her yeah. like, as as she's like trying to kill him in front of Cal Penn. Yeah. Uh, and then Cal Penn fucking grabs both ends of his mouth and like rips his own face off. Yeah. That was a that was a visual gag that I think like like I Ooh. said there's some there's some uh some classical like horror sort there's of some little... money spent well there yeah that I'll... was the effect that drove me I was like whoa fuck yeah because it, it just kind of like elevates things into another realm of like unreality and sort of like craziness that you're like oh shit we're like we're doing something yeah. different now yeah exactly um, it, yeah it just kind of like kicks everything up a notch a little bit um but at, immediately that sequence cuts and we smash cut back to her car where it's revealed that she wasn't ever she didn't ever actually go inside that didn't happen yeah it was a hallucination that she experienced fell, i guess yeah experienced the hallu- fell asleep dreamed it something yeah um and cal Penn tries to drive up like walk up to her and like what the fuck are you doing and uh she drives away yeah he but he not before he sees the big knife in her passenger seat so like a big apb goes out and the police are right. chasing her now because he's a professional and he mm-hmm. understands she's at risk of hurting herself or someone else mm-hmm. yeah um but this is where she's resolved that if i'm alone and nobody is around me, then right. I can't, you know, the, the monster can't get me because it can't be passed on to right. anybody but else. But that's so. like, that's good though. That's hard and fast rules. It makes perfect sense. It makes As sense, As an audience right? member, you're like, oh, I guess the answer to this is she just lives in isolation for the rest of her life. Yeah, in my, my, in my mind, I was like, I guess she just waits it out for a second. And then like, what's it going to do is like, you know, you have to you right. basically just tame it or something. Because that's, that's where I thought it was going to go. Right. I, I thought that like the idea was it, it would be not a good message. Like the movie telling you a good way to deal with your trauma is to go isolate yourself away from everybody else. Right. Right. But I thought by the rules of the movie that she was going to go make peace with it, have the whole conversation with her mother and then be okay, which is kind of what the movie leads us to believe. Right. Well, right? here's my pitch. Yeah. Cause this yeah. is my pitch for like a, a different ending. Well, and we'll get to uh, the ending. Yeah. Is that like, she goes to this cabin. Mm-hmm. We already know that she isolates herself and then like quote, kind of like confronts her trauma, like relives the events that like traumatized her. And so the idea is like, maybe she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm good with it now. Or like, I feel better. But I think that the theme was, too, is, like, you're never fully healed. Like, you don't just heal from that. And I think the better theme would be, like, she's, like, forever haunted by this thing. But it comes in waves. It's, like, you know, you have to deal with it regularly. Like, cleaning almost. Like, you have to clean your mind. You have to deal with this thing regularly or else it will become someone else's problem. And so, like, a more, like, unsettling ending is, like, you know, she didn't kill herself or she didn't kill somebody else. And she didn't pass the monster on. But it is just it will haunt her, and yeah. she'll have to deal with that. Which for is a long time. The Babadook, like right. it's that movie. The Babadook yeah. did that, <laughs> right? And so it's a lot of like I, you know, I I would have been more curious to see like an ending mm-hmm. that is maybe not you know so succinct. Mm-hmm. 
but that like does tie the metaphor off a little more. Yeah, because that a little that, more neatly. I think those those are the two movies, and the other movie that's. Gets and you're right. To, I don't think she like. I don't think you could just go out in the woods and suddenly you're better. Yeah, like, you don't just do that. Like she should be on the phone with the her therapist. Yeah, because the, walking her through how to heal if, or something. Yeah, if if the movie wanted to like you know if it if the movie thought its job or the filmmakers thought it was the movie's job to like tell people what the answer to this is, it's like oh right. you need people around you to help you get yeah, through this. Right, you can't just like um, pro- you can't process trauma in a vacuum. Yeah, just so we're clear. Yeah, that's not how that works. Because um, the other the other movie this gets compared to is uh, it follows right right um, which is like because it's it's kind of almost explicitly like it's very very similar to the plot of it follows but it follows is like very practical in it, a lot of and ways. that one is also oriented a lot around um like specifically like sexual assault right uh and so and like or you know our perception of, of sexuality and stuff uh which will be a whole different conversation maybe down the line um right but uh yeah this and this movie is is just more generally about trauma in general um but yeah in the cabin she basically yeah you like you said she relives the experience of of watching her so what actually happens is she hunkers down on the cabin Mm -hmm. it's like her old family cabin that Mm -hmm. they were gonna she can't get rid of but it's like the cabin's a generous term it's like Mm -hmm. a house that's just completely gone to rot yeah and she goes back and relives her traumatic childhood event where we the audience learn some interesting details yeah it turns out that her mother was overdosing on pills and uh rose as a young child walked into the room and saw it and then uh her mother asks rose to go for help or call the police or something and then she just shuts the door uh and and, yeah rose essentially just walks away the child yeah uh which how like how I know. I know, like, as a child, you're like, you just, that guilt can only, like, you know what I mean? Like, people will just absorb that. But objectively, from the outside looking, I'm like, how would you ask a seven-year-old to call nine one? You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's unrealistic. Because I think that's the other thing. Like that's even what she says. She's like, I was terrified of you. Like yeah, I, you know, they that's... were the two sisters. Like I think their mom was just rough on them, mm-hmm. and and it's clear she's got like addiction problems mm-hmm. and made that her children's problem. And so like a uh, like if you were a tiny child and your mom was con- like had a had an a, used pills to it in a way that was you know debilitating her, this actually wouldn't be that like. It like scary of an incident you know or mm-hmm. it would be like a, just another everyday thing and like how could you hold a child responsible for that yeah when like this is their world they wouldn't know any better like yeah. a child literally wouldn't know any better yeah but the the movie you know i it expresses that that's that's still a guilt that she right feels but and is rose trying to feels that mm-hmm. deep and that's that is true i mean mm-hmm. that's true too it's, no matter how objectively we can say like oh you mm-hmm. shouldn't feel bad that doesn't stop someone from feeling like mm-hmm. i am responsible for xyz which she all but kind of says right because what ends up happening is like the uh the specter she basically has a hallucination where the the specter takes the form of her mother talking to her and they're basically she's basically talking through her experience right and kind of like dealing with it um it's and that's kind what she of says like an exposure therapy yeah she says she's like she talks to her she's like you know i was terrified of you i shouldn't be she, she basically comes to a, a, a resolution on it saying you know right. this shouldn't be something that happens to me um but then the monster in the form of her mother says you know i, I will always be here though that you can't escape me and then right. this is when the the version of her mother in this hallucination Woo! morphs into this bonkers crazy you know like stringy monster four feet long marfan syndrome monster yeah. thing yeah and it's a i i loved this monster it it, it looks a lot like um, a lot of monsters from other movies it but goes I, hard yeah it's it's it pretty reminds gnarly. me of uh this is wild what's the um there's a subreddit 
where uh like if cthulhu took over garfield's body <laughs> oh yeah oh my god no it's it's an entire yeah it's an entire like subculture it's on like the internet hello of, john uh, or something yeah hello john oh my god yeah but it's basically garfield drawings except if like uh an eldritch god had taken over their bodies and created just just horrifying like the thing type yeah it's monsters. like grotesque like yeah yeah it's just um, it's kind of a fun rabbit hole you go there and you're like who the fuck thinks of this and yeah. the deeper you go the weirder it gets yeah but it's your it's your typical tall lanky gross there's a version of this in like it chapter two yeah um you know big giant lanky monster yeah yeah uh, that begins chasing her through the house and stuff uh and she manages she she's been using a lantern for her light like a kerosene lamp right um and she manages to like light it on fire uh right and, so she's literally doing battle with this monster now yeah and uh in the end of her battle she it appears that she's burnt it alive uh right. and uh then we get the uh the the first ending of the movie where she placidly gets in her car goes back to joel's apartment and basically makes amends with him and is like i shouldn't have put that on you i shouldn't have like you know come here and i should have put my problems on you i was too distant or that's why our relationship didn't work uh can i please just sleep at your house can you watch me while i sleep uh just stay here with me and then he says of course rose i'll stay here i'll i'll stay with you i'll always be with you uh, and you find out that it's just the monster. Yeah, it's a whole. This whole sequence is a hallucination. A pretty drawn out one too. That yeah. goes on for like four or five minutes. It's uh, not to spoil. Um, what's the? Is it Neil Marshall? The Descent. Not to spoil the Descent, but same kind of ending mm. where they like. Have you seen the Descent? No, I haven't. That's one we have never to get mind. To. Yeah. I'm not gonna say anything else. Yeah, it's a great movie, but uh, that's what we have to get to. That uh, Tyler has said he will not be on because that is his uh, claustrophobia. Oh, claustrophobia. Yeah, is is a big one. <sighs> so, but uh, yeah, th- in this fake out, yeah. So we basically it's the monster, and he the uh, Joel character puts on the smile and and uh, tries to attack her. Right. Um, and then she then runs out the door and is uh, finds herself right back in. Snap. In the back to reality (laughs) oh there goes gravity yep and uh she's back at the cabin exactly uh so that's when uh like joel real life joel (laughs) yeah real life joel comes back so she tries to run back in the cabin and lock herself in to avoid being around anybody right right um the monster appears again and that's when it like grabs her mouth and like yeah it's like taking of deborah logan style like shoves itself in like of all the i've seen this is along the lines of some of those other you know there's various visual uh visualizations in um like possession movies and ghost movies of like a demon entering somebody's body whether their mouth yeah yeah, whether it's like through like black goo or like some other this is one of those where it's like the idea of the of the demon going into her and taking over is uh, money well spent. It's that, a good visualization. It was, yeah, because otherwise, other than this whole end sequence, there's not a whole lot of other. It's not a CGI heavy movie. No, it's just like we said, good acting and you know, Practical good effects. yeah, good placement of just these couple of uh, you know, that seventeen million dollar budget. Good editing. And editing, yeah. Um, so the monster goes inside her. We're all like, "Oh my god!" Joel breaks his way in because the house is like catching on. F- or no, Joel breaks his way in, uh, and then she's standing there, uh, smiling. Smiling. Uh, he he has to look around for a second to find her, but he sees her finally. She's been dumping kerosene all over herself, and uh, then she has a, a she has a box of matches in her hand. Man. And at that, I was like, "Smack it out of her hand!" Just, ah. I know. Get it out of her head. You're like, stop. No, not Joel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, that, that final shot, too, of him witnessing her uh, yeah. basically burnt, like, self-immolating. And she burns she, herself yeah, alive. Yeah, burns herself alive. And um, the cycle continues. Yeah. Which is, I, I, I think a lot of people have problems with um, 
grim or nihilistic endings. Yeah. But and I guess I'm trying to talk my way around it um, in a lot of ways because I do think like that nihilistic ending was a, it was a bummer. I yeah. was bummed. I watched it and I was like, man, I was really rooting for Rose. It's a bummer, but I think like this is something that's difficult, I think, specifically with horror movies. And I think one of the reasons that this movie stuck with me so much and was so effective like we talked about our viewing experience of like going home, like we came home and watched a couple of other movies yeah. and we're like, but I like, I laid in bed and I had like a nightmare. Like I have, I have a lot of nightmares. I usually have nightmares and stuff, whether yeah. it's anxiety nightmares or whatever. Um, but I had one very along, much along the lines of like the plot of the movie essentially. Yeah. Uh, Cause it is like, as we were driving back, I remember talking about like the reason this movie sticks with you is because of the effectiveness of its portrayal of feeling like you're suffering from one of these types of crises, right? right. Where you feel the world turning against you or right. you feel and like you try to advocate for yourself and yeah. everyone kind of invalidates the way you feel by telling you like, you know, it's just like yeah. no one's listening to you. Cuz that's part of the real horror of the movie is showing the experience of a character who is going through something that right. nobody else can comprehend and her attempts to seek out other people's help right. result in in further you know alienation and stuff right and that's right. like as as scary as many of the other elements of the movie are the the performance by Sozie bacon and her the portrayal of that experience throughout the movie are really i think what anchor it and make it yeah. so scary because that's the thing that sticks with you is as i was watching this and you and you walk out of this this experience and you're like i think the nihilistic ending kind of brings that full circle too where you're like fuck like that's a right that's a tough like like i said the birthday scene the that first scene of her yeah. looking at everybody and yelling and being like no i'm not i promise i didn't do this yeah, i'm this not crazy me. but we know as an audience we're like you're there's no coming back from this yeah like this is the uh yeah this you're is like the turning point she will not have friends no. after this yeah. or like everyone will think like we'll, we'll know what happened yeah you know like that's the kind of event that your mom tells you like oh did you hear your cousin did this and you're like oh my god are they okay and yeah like, oh your crazy cousin there they go <laughs> Just kind of shit like that where you're like, yeah. they're always and doing this. they lay that out in the movie, too, is the idea of when she yeah. tries to go back and reconcile with her sister, her sister is like, I don't want you around my kid. I don't want you here right. or to be part of my, my right. family or whatever. And you're like, those, it, it's subtle, but like like I said, I think that is the true like right. aspect of the movie that is that is also horrific, aside from the visuals and the, you I think, know, the supernatural thing that happens in it. And I think... Um, you know, I, I, I'll say this. It's probably fair that we address the idea that sometimes we do not overcome trauma. It's yeah. like sometimes it just gets the better of us and, and it gets the better of people permanently. Yeah. That is like a f we need to acknowledge that because if we can't acknowledge that, then we're denying like we're literally being the people in this movie being like, you don't have trauma or like, you know, your stuff, you, you'll be fine. Just, yeah, you'll not, be fine. You'll not be fine. everybody gets over it. And I think like, also it's like, it's not a right. horror movie's job to, to like teach you about how to deal with trauma and stuff. But right. Like, you I know, mean, that's a tall like, order. I see yeah. as I felt that way. I walked, yeah. in, I walked it back like, well, it's smile. It's not yeah, like, right. this isn't um, me like, pro you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it would almost be, that. like I said, it would almost be, like I said, a la Baba Duke, right? Like the idea right. of like, if you have a button, like a bow, like a, a, a bow ending, a, a wrap, nicely wrapped ending, it does that detract from, you know, communicating yeah. the horror of what this experience is like. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Which, so like in, in, uh, in some of these, like in the kind of horror movie, you kind of have to have that, that there has to be an ending. Yeah. It's like either someone's got to go or someone's got to get saved, but mm -hmm. you cannot, it's hard to land in the middle and feel like you did it right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's fair. Like, I do think we need to acknowledge it. Personally, I think it's a little, like, 
trite that it doesn't give more effort to like maybe help us understand that like mm. trauma doesn't have to do this it just it happens this way sometimes like if you're especially if you're so explicitly going to use that as the you know the right. main running theme of your movie like it's laid out in the plot um, right and and so much effort and energy goes towards mm-hmm. like they i mean just name dropping all these like uh psych specific things that, yeah things that, like our generation a lot of like armchair psychology terms yeah and stuff. yeah well yeah and so it's like frustrating for me because i feel like we should have been given like she you can still have that ending i feel like we should have been given more like either a more concrete like here's how to not to like like i said like trauma doesn't fully go away but you can kind of work at mm-hmm. it is like you know is there an answer that involved that it kind of like splits the middle mm-hmm. and to because ha- she we've already clearly seen that like it overwhelms people mm-hmm. like they spend the whole movie showing us these people like killing themselves or killing somebody else and it's like you know the one guy who survived is someone who just traumatized someone else mm-hmm. and so there's like no other answer by the by their own standards than to pass that on to someone else you yeah. literally cannot escape passing your trauma or influence or like aggravating or grieving somebody else's trauma. at least that's what the movie is saying right yeah. and that's what like frustrates me is yeah. like i actually i disagree i think yeah, that you're right. we are we as a society too we're better at, at understanding how we deal with that stuff right and we've and we've ever been we're not better like we don't heal that doesn't imply that we're all healed but it means that we're like able to talk about this more and like mm-hmm. reach out for tools and you know what I mean? Like we have a better ability to function within that trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the middle ground that the movie doesn't make. Right. It doesn't that, even bother the, to show. Yeah. But that's the difficulty, right? Is like if you, and yeah. then also with like the logic of like, well, how are, how is no other cop figuring out that there's like a chain of suicides? Right. And right. Like, well, then the movie can't happen. Like, <laughs> right. There's, there's a lot of like, so I, and I, and like I said, all this that's stuff, tough. I'm like, you know what? It's, we probably ought to just be like, you know, this is nihilistic and dark, but we have to confront this in order to understand it. Yeah. It's like you cannot have a full perspective without the darkest version of it. Yeah. Um, that's like why I, said, like I like me personally. It doesn't. I enjoy really nihilistic in, endings. It yeah. doesn't influence my perspective on the yeah. movie, though. I'm like, you know, that movie top to bottom was what it was. Yeah. I'm not going to det- I'm not going to detract from it less because of that ending yeah. per se. But I, I like. I want people to watch this movie, and I yeah. want to tell them. I want to like I think, hug I think, them and be I think like, the reason it doesn't that, have to be this way. Yeah, I think the reason that we want to pull at these strings so much is because it's so enjoyable. Because the movie is so enthralling. Like, it's, yeah, it's a it's and an good engrossing for it for even movie, making us yeah. have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, Kevin Kepi is the uh, the uh, the actor who was in the bodysuit that did the oh, uh, monster yeah. work there at the end. Um, I had forgotten whether or not it was Dan, our our, our friend who does you know uh, Shape of Water and uh, right Guillermo uh, del Toro's yeah, friend. Uh, so he, but no, this is Kevin Kepi, uh, cool. who, another super tall guy who does a lot of these like Us tall dudes. and other work. He's a super, super, he's like yeah. six foot nine or something. Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great, great fucking movie, man. I, I yeah. enjoyed it a lot and I think this is a great one to come. Like of, of all the releases that are coming out here this fall, um, the franchise stuff that's coming out, right. you know, the new ones. He mentioned, he was like, cause he means like these things, like the prisoner that they interview. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, these things happen. Like they've, they've like, uh. He's like, there was a loop of them in Brazil that I, I was like, I want to watch that movie. Right. Yeah. Like, what is a la, that? like, uh, like uh, the serpent in the rainbow or something or like, or uh, yeah. Or just do like um, uh city of God, but like with smile or something. Uh, like how wild uh, would that be? 
it's like just Brazilian gangsters passing trauma from seriously. like trauma. <laughs> I've watched that movie. I have. But then, like first the one pages. candid conversation between the two goons, who were like, "Well, you know, I'm just having been feeling myself." I've been lately. seeing a mental health professional. Yeah, it's like uh, well, I've been talking to my therapist about it, and it's a uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you're like, "Well, uh, good for them. Good yeah. for Brazil." There's so much that like I want to. Now that we've said that, I want to explore the uh, the culture of machismo in like South American culture yeah. and how like a, a monster like the smile and monster then on would just screen, like kill like yeah. slaughter yeah you know? it's just like fucking wins like, yeah because like putting the up, whole putting point up crazy numbers yeah i think that would be interesting yeah and then you have the one like cute like group of like like ambrose who are like they yeah. actually talk about their feelings with each other and shit and they overcome it well and they got is, your first 30 pages right here baby. i've got your <laughs> i got your whole fucking script right now the whole point is that uh people from like a lower income don't have the resources to do, to do this and so the only people that could survive such a kind of curse is like a middle to like it basically just traverses its way up the income yeah. brackets until like higher income people like are able to, I don't know, pass, you know, either like be super rich and get away with the kind like the crime of murder or like, I don't know, deal with their trauma. Like it's those conversations happen at when you have more available income to do things like, you know, hire a mental health professional. Um, whereas like in, in lower income families, that's just not it's very low on your priority list. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Whole movie. Got it. In Portuguese. Pitch Do it. it. Do it, Paramount. Hit you us up, cowards. Paramount. Blumhouse. Yeah. Parker Finn. I got your first 30 pages right here. <laughs> um, you seen anything else lately? You got, you got oh, two uh, recommendations? I've seen a lot. Yeah. I did Give me a lot two of them. The... Give me two good ones or bad ones. Okay. Everyone get hyped. Bones and All is coming out in November. I, wa- I tell everyone about this movie because it's like the easiest two sentence. I like tell people, I'm like, I saw a great title the wildest cannibal romance movie with Timothy Chalamet. And everyone's like, what? And I was like, trust me. I cried. I was grossed out. And I was horrified. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And now. I'm, not, I'm to... not giving anything away. It, it's a cannibal romance movie. Like tr- cannibal romance travel movie where they like travel the American like countryside in the 80s yeah is so it was good it's like the best of call me like luca guadagnino's the director so he did call me by your name and suspiria so it's like the the most emotional peaks of call me by your name and some of the most frightening peaks of suspiria in one movie and you're like how is that even possible like it shouldn't be a thing you shouldn't be crying over cannibals um which is also funny. as as worn out as i don't know like timothy chalamet is all obviously in the peak of his right. career so everybody's it's like, like okay chalamet fever yeah he is unrecognizable in this Good. movie because i is, think that's the that's where he needs to pivot he needs to he's been typecast it's, obviously it's but like weird it's just like one of his weird indie more rebellious movies where mm-hmm. he is like he's covered in blood i will say and his appearance and don't look up happens. yeah he was really awesome you know kind Fucking of maybe more out of character yeah. but it was still sort of like this yeah it, it was it was it was like audience it was a you know audience pleaser it was a yeah. uh, fan service kind bones of bones and all is amazing people are gonna cool. watch it and just be really weirded out by it but i loved it mark rylance is finally playing the character i've always wanted him to play which is it's like he plays this guy but like way less violent in a lot of his movies and i'm like i think when i saw it i was like is that mark rylance like that man's gone full tilt um and it, they just the movie's not afraid to go there like it's about cannibalism <laughs> oh it goes there we're gonna see people get et hell yeah and it's we're and it's great because they're these cannibals are grappling with the same uh, dilemmas that we would. Yeah. But I love the way the director did a little like pre-recorded like thing before the movie showed at a Fantastic Fest, and he kind of pointed out he's like, you know, part of the movie is the idea that like there has to be space in love for the for like even the monsters, like even monsters can hmm. be in love, and that's, that's like cute. and it's like a way that's like 
yeah, they are monsters, but they are like you're in love with their love. You're like, man, I don't know how, but I'm rooting for them. Huh? I hope that I hope whatever happens happens. And it is a fucking crazy. Like, it's indie, so it's got that indie vibe that's just like you know, a little hand running through the grass or something, and uh, occasionally gets spooky. But it has like it's a travel movie, so you're like, is this like on the road meets like Cannibal Holocaust meets Call Me. By I think Your travel Day movies look work really well for like zombie and like. Yeah, I mean, Zombieland. So like, it's, is a good it's just an that. emotional yeah. gut punch that yeah. I like. I, and it's when you cry, you're like, why am I? I, <laughs> I feel so much right now. And my favorite part, David Gordon Green is in that movie. Oh, fuck yeah. He has a he has like one scene. And when the and I didn't, I didn't know, know who he, it like, was. Appeared, is he does he have is it just cameos that he does? Or is I it don't like, know. I don't uh, know. I maybe be like, is that guy? Does he act? Is yeah. he in things? Um, and he has one. And it's a fantastic scene, too. There's. That's I mean, it's like scene. Michael Giacchino just directing, like directing now, yeah. like doing Werewolf by Midnight, yeah, uh, just stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, this is fascinating. Yeah. It was like my favorite of the of the weekend. I would be like, I want horror fans to go check this out. Some might be miffed that it's like artsy fartsy, but some were just gonna, they're gonna get it. And when it clicks, man, it clicks. I was like, what the fuck? How do I feel so many things? Your other uh, HBO recommendation was one that I had occurred to me a while ago because I saw yeah. it pop up on the uh, on the stream. I, and I didn't was know like, they got the right. I didn't know they got that HBO drop. That was amazing. So we're talking about uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. This is my movie. I promised y'all that you should. I will tell you where to see it and what it and like how to see it it's on so hbo you watch max something new for once in your goddamn lives <laughs> go see I we're all going people, to the world if anybody Fair listens to this max. if anybody listens to this podcast i assume they're pretty pretty uh avid uh cinema goers hopefully it had a really uh, good festival run yeah it's that's, like some that's of the, the last one we saw at oak cliff film festival yeah 20, it closed out the fest 21 2019 2019 damn that long ago? i didn't go to 2021 Okay. Yeah, because I, I saw a, this at Oakland Film Festival. Yeah, it was like the late night screening the last night. That's right. Oakleaf. Yeah, because we talked to the director for yeah. a while afterward, and they were, um, yeah, super they gave a really cool. good talk on it. It was about because it was about their experience online and yeah. about like um, it's basically like the, the premise of the plot of the movie is like there's it's um, kind of a found footage thing uh, essentially, but it's like a, a young girl who is uh, who is doing internet challenges that go down like a spooky rabbit hole into like a creepy pasta thing, and then develops like an, a a, a, a questionable relationship with uh, somebody um online yeah uh and it, it unravels from there and it's a it's a cool it's a it's it, an awesome probably movie. haven't seen much like this kind no, of movie it's a before. very it's in- interesting yeah tone and and so go see it plot, go see yeah. it i know you're it's gonna want to watch it's an easy watch you're gonna want to watch that Street. i don't think it's very long go either. see that one yeah i think it's like an hour 20 at yeah. best um, but I, I saw that, and then my other one was Decision to Leave. Okay. Park Chan Wook's uh, latest movie. He's a notorious South Korean director. He's like really good friends with Bong Joon Ho. Um, but he did uh, The Handmaiden and Stoker, and um, oh man, oh he did Old Boy. He did like mm. the the Sympathy for Mister the Vengeance trilogy. Um, so he has a knack for making like really twisty, mind bending movies. Hmm. But it was another movie that was like more about the romance. It was a very romantic festival. I watched a lot of movies. I was like, "Is this a romance yeah, festival? Like, are we in love? Me and this music? This being this film festival? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> love is the theme of this like entire festival. Spooky love, all kinds of love. So the this one's like a love. it's a police procedural about a man who investigates another guy's like apparent suicide huh. and kind of falls in love with the widow, and it's it kind of trails his entire investigation of this. We kind of suspect her. We kind of like we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But it's about them just like falling in love, and it's like really sad because obviously the detective is married. But it's like they like they meet 
they're that's they're like that's their soulmate right? like what if your soulmate was a woman you were investigating and you like invented like so like every time he, in, he interrogates her he like invents ex- excuses to interrogate her he like stakes out her house and is like you know taking audio notes and he's like a sherlock holmes like yeah the joke is that he's like he's like an insane like a savant detective yeah, yeah. He, he'll like they're like because the, the original crime the guy falls off a cliff and so they're like oh we'll just go hike around to the cliff and the guy's like no i want to climb this mountain to feel what he felt going down and then it cuts <laughs> it super cuts to him on like a motorized winch just slowly going up the side of the like very nonchalant like wee <laughs> it's just frozen yeah and it was just and it, like he's the kind of guy that just no detail no stone unturned he like is still trying to solve uh still trying to solve cases that haven't been solved that comes into play later it's like some cases that weren't solved we get some answers to um and it's got like and it but by the end of it it's it's all the mysteries are solved by the end it's all about the emotions and it is like the truly tragic romance but it's a it's a multiple viewings movie because there's there's like detail work throughout it okay. so like someone pointed out that like the wallpaper in one of the houses either it's like made to look like either mountains or the sea it's like it could go either way depending on how you're looking at it interesting which is thematic you'll you'll know what i'm talking about if you see this but it's like one of the dualities of this film is like present throughout the entire movie it's so fascinating it was just like such a great great watch and he was in attendance he seemed like a really he's so funny they like this is my favorite people who know his movies if anyone's seen like old boy might be the most popular but if you've seen uh the handmaiden which i love i watched that movie and i couldn't i couldn't predict what was going to happen they're like how do you make such intricate plots like how do you know like how far in advance when things turn or like how do you come up with these ideas and he literally just kept saying like I just do what I think is cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he doesn't just, pull out like the Christopher Nolan, like loop he board. And he's like, we don't do these uh, kind of a, yeah. Like, like he probably writes events. the script, but most of the time they're like, what made you think of doing like this exact thing? Like I noticed this one little camera move mirrors itself twice. And he's like, I don't, I just, I thought what was cool. And I did that. It's like when people ask you like what your tattoos mean, you're like, they look cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> essentially the, the like big movie director version of that, yeah. which like his trans, his interpreter, the poor woman's like, uh, whatever i think is great on the day and that looks fantastic i will execute but you can tell with his body language yeah the guy's just like i just do what's fun i just i look at him like that seems cool let's do that i can i can i can support those are my those are my two walk takeaways i didn't get to watch too many like middle tier or lower tier movies which i'm bummed but uh but yeah those are the good ones i would recommend bones and all is i'm like uh i'm hyped for I'm hyped for your, at least you. I'm hope I hope you'll get to see it. Oh yeah, um, and some other people, Jamario. Uh, one of the other ones uh, that makes me think of actually the. Uh, did you see that? Uh, one of my recommendations is that AMC is doing a um, TV series uh, out of Interview with a, a Vampire. Oh, a friend of mine worked on that. Yeah, they it's, shot it in New Orleans. Really, I watched. Or they uh, shot a bunch of it in New Orleans. So um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the 90s movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dunst. The interview. R.I.P. Yeah. Anne Rice. Yeah, yeah. The, ad- the adaptation of Anne Rice's uh, Interview with a Vampire um, with Christian Slater and stuff. Uh, really, really interesting movie. Uh, I fucking love that movie. It's a like, I mean, it's a classic, you know, sort of guilty pleasure movie. Yeah. Um, Nothing but, guilty about it. It's just pleasure. It's just baby. great. Yeah, just all pleasure. <laughs> but that's the thing is like this movie or this uh, new TV series uh, is really interesting in the way they take the story and kind of 
it's a lot more instead of sort of like playing coy with the homoeroticism of you know the right. movie that came out in the 90s they are much more explicit about like the relationship between Lestat and yeah. Louis and it's just a much more the uh, the detective or the uh, the journalist in it too yeah. is um, oh my god I'm blanking on his name right now but he he looks a lot and sounds exactly like Anthony Bourdain and there's a really interesting <laughs> nice. like him narrating and asking questions throughout um, yeah. the first episode which is up on uh, Shutter actually okay um, it's on AMC Plus I guess that's the streaming service it's going to be on yeah. but they as a as a special preview they put the first episode up on Shutter and I fucking loved it I I enjoy okay. like it's it's a really cool way to modernize that original plot and movie um in a way that i think is is interesting and also kind of dives deeper into maybe some of the more nuanced ideas that are sort of glossed over and the i never i've never read the book but the okay. i know the movie is a lot less heavy like i, I said, have on neither the, seen the movie nor read the you didn't book. see the original movie Negative. ah yeah that's a that's a that's that's a that's I'll a Halloween rewatch right there. I'll put it on the list. Yeah. Mary-Kate will probably watch that with me. Um, also on the, uh, you, you might have seen this on our 31 for 31 watch list, but one of the first ones that I watched uh, for October was uh, The People Under the Stairs, which was a blind spot for me. Shout out Bianca Vega. Dude. Uh, we know Rains. you love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, that fucking movie is so good. But yeah, that was a, like I said, a blind spot for me that I hadn't seen in a while. And it, it fucks. It's, it's a <laughs> that great movie. Fucks. It, it's a great like. Yeah. Man, any like '90s or 2000s horror is sort of weirdly like my sweet spot right now. Where it's just okay. there, there's a certain like innocence in the production value where it's like a movie like that, particularly where you're like, this movie is just shoestrings and like yeah. you could tell, but it has this like the a dust like a film over it of like yeah, yeah. everything is is campy and practical and goofy and. uh that movie is yeah, it's, it's Craven, cool. right? Yeah, it's Wes Craven. Nice. Um, and it's Craven at like his. Oh, uh, well, I have some stuff to put on people's radar. We'll get okay. To that. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and do yours. Yeah, real quick. Uh, speaking of like horror related things, um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, yes! October twenty sixth. The lineup for directors on that is incredible. I haven't looked at any other like cast or production or crew or uh, directors on it or anything. Even the cast but just the trailer. Yeah, the trailer just looked like man. like what a way to give. Back. And him narrating the trailer and yeah. stuff too. I was like, oh yeah, that's he's, awesome. He, it's like he's gone full Twilight Zone, but yeah. it's like scary. Uh, we about to talk about Mike Flanagan's. Uh, Oh no! Yeah, so Mike Flanagan has uh, his new TV series or his new series on Netflix as well. Uh, it's the uh, Midnight Club. Okay. Um, Maybe I'll watch Midnight Mass this month. Yeah. Oh yeah, you haven't gotten to that yet, have you? Negative. Oh fuck yeah. Uh, sorry. What else were you gonna get to? No, that was. Uh, I think that was my big one. We should also talk about New Hellraiser because that came out yes two days ago. Yeah, we'll get to that. Maybe we'll just go ahead and just do another episode on that. Woo! Hey, baby. The Hellraiser universe. The Hellraiser verse. We watched the we watched the Mary, the Rick and Morty episode of fuck where yeah. They represent him. Mary Kate because she was like super spooked by it, and I was like, all right, here's something to take the piss. Let out me of. disarm this. Uh, yeah, like a let's make bit. fun of it now. Yeah. And I love the line where he's like. God damn it, Beth. You never follow <laughs> hell devils to a second place. It's always hell. <laughs> it's always hell. It's always hell. Uh, fuck yeah. Um, Anyways. But yeah, guys, go watch Smile. It's an awesome movie. Uh, we had a really time watching it and talking go about it. Go get terrified about go smiling. Get fucking terrified. Yeah. Uh, have a good week. And right. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Sunday Scaries.